Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Andrew Gill-Smith, author of the new novel, Our Lady of the Artilex. Andrew, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jeff. Good to be here. Good. Well, if someone listening hasn't yet heard about your novel, Our Lady of the Artilex, how would you describe the novel? Um, I would say it is um, really an exploration of fuzzy, fuzzy boundaries um, between faith and science. Um, it tells a story of a near future world where artilex, which are basically highly advanced androids, um, are having apocalyptic visions that only they can see. And so the, the governments of the world assume that this is a hack or a hoax of some kind until one of them belonging to the wealthiest man in Africa shows up at a basilica claiming to be possessed. And uh, in response to this, the Vatican sends um, their top neuroscientist, um, also an exorcist, uh, to interview this android, this artilect, and he quickly finds himself drawn into a global uh, conspiracy, possibly a supernatural conspiracy. That's great. And I'm curious, do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to write Our Lady of the Artilects? You know, I, I've always been interested in, and as I said, this kind of uh, fuzzy, fuzzy boundary um, between uh, faith and science. I mean, it, 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 it's part of my story, right? I mean, I, you know, I grew up in a fairly um, uh, conservative, religious, evangelical household. Um, my mom passed away when I was in my mid to late teens and I went through a you know, long period of uh, rebellion and, and anger, uh, really towards God and, um, ended up majoring in religion, <laughs> um, uh, in, in college and then studying it, uh, for many, many years thereafter. Um, I also then got a, a master's degree in data science. I went to a master's program in data science and, you know, eventually kind of found myself back to, found my way back to, to faith. Um, but I, you know, I, I, I've certainly never given up my, my scientific worldview either. And um, so I really wanted to play with those boundaries um, to, 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 to an extent. I think that was the main motivation for writing the book. That's great. And what was your writing journey that led you to writing your first stories and uh, novel? Uh, well, this is my first novel. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it's also my first you know, really substantial creative writing project. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, I certainly uh, I started climbing the mountain before I knew how tall it would be. <laughs> uh, and, and that's probably a good thing. Cause I, you know, I don't know if I would have had the, the gumption to do this if I'd known how difficult it would be. Um, you know, it, because this is like a, an idea space that has been so interesting to me my whole life and that I played around in my whole life, um, you know, I, I tell people I've been researching the book for 30 years. It, it, you know, I wrote it in six months, right? I sat down in October of um, 2021 and just started putting together, uh, you know, the, 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 the characters and the outline for the book. And it, it came out very, very fast, right? Mm -hmm. The actual writing of it. Um, don't know if that's how it's going to be for the sequel or not. <laughs> <laughs> Have you started working on the sequel yet? Uh, I've started it. Yeah, I, I've started it. I'm, I'm still kind of deep in the research. I, you know, I like to, um, you know, when I, when I, when I was thinking about 
uh, Our Lady, the Artilex. You know, I wanted it. I really wanted it to to be two things. I wanted it to be what I would call hard theology, meaning I you know I did not want it to be sort of wishy washy, made up. Um, you know, from, uh, with regard to the main religions that are depicted in it, which are Catholicism and Islam. Um, and I also wanted it to be hard science, right? I didn't want to, I didn't want to do a lot of hand waving or, you know, sort of magic, um, with respect to the science. And I, I, you know, I, I hope I accomplished that in this book. Um, in the second book, you know, I, it, to me, it feels like it's going to go more in the direction of, of hard science fiction. Um, just because that seems, seems to be how the first book set up. Um, so I'm, I'm doing a lot of reading on, uh, uh, you know, quantum mechanics, um, David Bohm's theories on on consciousness and the intricate order, um, and then also getting into uh, getting as, as deep as I can into uh, Sufi mysticism. Well, you mentioned earlier of writing <laughs> Our Lady of the Art lecture, first novel, and that you wrote it in six months. Um, what was that writing process like for you? Had you written an extensive outline, or did you just think about it and dive into the narrative? How did that well, work? Total pantser. I was a total pantser. Um, and again, I like I, I I think that that's probably the way that I have to write because uh, you know I I, I like I like to think about you know what are the characters really going to do? Like I I don't I don't necessarily know how they're going to react in every situation that I put them in, right? And so the narrative of the story really grew organically, and I did not have an outline. Um. You know, when you when you get to a sequel, though, I you know I you've got all of these sort of fixed elements in place, right? You've got characters that are now developed. You've got you know kind of a world or a you know magic or a science system, if you want to call it that, that that needs to be respected. So I'm, what I'm finding in the second book is I you know I think I'm going to have to be a little bit more of a planner. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Sure. And your first job out of college was delivering mail for Jeff Bezos when he was still selling books via listserv. What was that job like and how did you get it? Oh, that was, that was wild. So I, you know, coming out of college, um, I actually wanted to be a writer. And so I'd applied to a bunch of jobs in New York, 
And I had an offer to work for uh, the Village Voice. But the offer was like, I mean, it was, when I say the money was bad, I mean, it was like, I don't know how you can live in New York on that sure. bad, right? I had but, one of those jobs in New York. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Not for like, the Village Voice, but it was like, how am I surviving? Yeah. And, and, but I was going to take it. I mean, I was like really, really excited. I was going to take it. And then I got this like random, weird call from an investment bank or a hedge fund. Um, and they wanted me to interview because I, I like won some academic award in college. And I was like, okay, that's fine. It's a free trip to New York. So I'll, I'll go do it. And I met with them. And, um, you know, it turned out that they, they kind of hired on two tracks. They hired like, literally some of the, the most brilliant scientific and technical minds in the world, like top graduates from the Indian Institute of Technology, winners of the International Math Olympiad. And, and these are the people that are like writing the algorithms and the trading, uh, the trading programs. But then they also hire people with more of like a liberal arts background, um, you know, to essentially do like the go to market um, side of the business. And I ended up getting an offer to work for this company. Um, and, they started all of us on on that kind of liberal arts side of the equation in the mailroom, and um, so I'm you know I'm like delivering mail to these bankers, and you know the idea is you kind of circulate, you get to know people, and eventually you kind of find your spot at the company. One of them was this quirky senior vice president. Nobody really knew what he did. Um, you'd go into his office, he'd have books like piled up to the ceiling, and I finally got the courage one day to ask him what he was doing. He said, "Oh, I'm just trying to figure out how to sell these books on the internet." And I laughed. I was like, well, that's, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah, this is like 1995. Like people weren't even putting their credit cards online, right? And and of all the things that you would sell, like books. And he said, well, I love books. And I asked him how he was doing. He said, well, I'm, you know, I'm buying email lists and I'm emailing people. And then they call me back and then I take their credit card number and I write. And, you know, he had like one of those old credit card machines. Yep. You know, the mechanical desktop devices. And that's that's how he was selling books in the early days. It wasn't too long after that. It was maybe six months or so after that, that he picked up and moved to Seattle, pulled a bunch of people with him, started the Amazon. Uh, if I did you stay in touch with him? With it, uh, and, and I'd be living on a private island. Somewhere. Yeah, sure. Sure. Did you stay in touch with him? Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was, I was a kid who was delivering his mail. I'm, yeah, sure. 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 Yeah. And now he's buying Yachts. Yeah, among uh, yachts, newspapers. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. So yeah, and he So given your given your experience um with Our Lady of the Artilex and now um thinking about and planning the sequel, what writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories or novels? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, part of me wants to say I don't you know, I don't I don't know how. I feel qualified to to give writing advice to others as a as a first time novelist. Um, you know, for me, I can, I can say what what what's worked for me. Sure, what worked for you is you know just to write about things that I know and that I'm passionate about. Um, you know, if, if you're if you don't know your material, if you haven't done your homework, haven't done your research, if you don't you know passionately care about the the themes in the work or the characters in the work, then I think it's unreasonable to expect anyone else to care. Um, but the other thing I would say, I mean, and, and again, this is all like so cliche, Jeff, like, you know, hope, hope it makes for an interesting podcast. I don't know. Um, you know, is, is you just, I mean, you do have to have the discipline to just sit down and do it. You know, I, 
for, for 15 to 20 years, I told myself, I'm going to write a book. I really need to sit down and write this book. This, I, these ideas have been bouncing around in my head for a long time. I think I'm going to do it. And I would always find, you know, a distraction or something else to do or, you know, something in my job that, 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 that prevented me from, you know, starting. Um, and it wasn't until, um, like I said, August, you know, October of last year that I, you know, I've kind of forced myself to sit in front of a blank screen and just start putting words on a page that it all came together. That's great. Well, what books have you read recently that you enjoyed? Um, yeah, like, so most of what I've, I, I actually read mainly nonfiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've, I've, and I've been doing a lot of research for, for the, the next book. I, uh, I just read a book by Professor Chick from um, SUNY University in New York. Um, on the uh, the cosmology of Ibn al-Arabi, who is probably the greatest Sufi mystic of all time. It's called uh, The Self-Disclosure of God. And while I was reading that, I was also reading David Bohm's um, Holiness in the Air Within Order and a book by Robert Lanza called The Grand Biocentric Theory, um, which is really kind of about the whole anthropic principle um, uh, in physics, in quantum physics, that like, you know, life is uh, the universe, the cosmos is essentially perfectly calibrated for consciousness. And some physicists like John Wheeler, right, who did a lot of the early research into black holes and, and work on the Manhattan Project, have gone so far as to say that it, you know, that, that, that the universe is consciousness, that it's made of information. And what's really fascinating to me again is even Arabi was writing about this stuff 800 years ago. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> so that's, uh, I mean, they didn't have the technical terminology, obviously, right? But I mean, there there are really strong parallels between you know, his mystical, visionary experiences and what um, I think what you know some some of the best minds in modern physics have have discovered. That's great. Well, where can people find you online if they'd like to learn more about you and your novel? Sure, I'm I'm on Twitter and I'm pretty active on Twitter at Andrew Dill Smith. Um, I'm always on Goodreads. Um, and uh, love to interact with people there. Um, I'm on Facebook, and I have a website, which is andrewgillsmith.com. That's great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Andrew Gillsmith, author of the novel Our Lady of the Artilex. The novel is on sale now, so go buy a copy. And Andrew, thanks for doing this interview. Oh, thanks, Jeff. I really enjoyed it. Absolutely. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.